Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast, bringing you encouragement and challenging believers to spiritual change and growth by applying biblical principles to everyday life. And now your hosts, Sasso Mendez and Ben Ariano. Welcome everybody to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is episode number 42. I'm here with my good friend and faithful servant in the faith, Sasso Mendez. What's up, Ben? We have a special guest today. We have an awesome special guest with us. We have our uh, other brother in the faith, Mike Baldwin. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, I'm happy to be here, guys, and talk with you. Awesome. So uh, Mike is Sasso's brother-in-law. Um, so, and Mike also... Uh, like look alike, you know. <laughs> yeah, real similar. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they call me white chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, striking, uh, striking resemblance. So uh, we're, we're excited to have Mike on the show, but uh, before we get to our... Uh, our content, man. We've got uh, we got a little taco talk to deal with. We do. I, I did have tacos on Saturday at the wedding. So was it a taco truck? What, what was it? It was people that they hired. You know what I mean to do the tacos and uh, a little skimpy on the. Uh, somebody asked for one of each, and I just said I want pork and steak, which I meant like two of each. He gave me two of them. He said maybe you're too big already. Wow. Yeah. And uh, they ran out of food. You know what I mean? Oh, they ran out. They did. So they didn't have enough. Yeah, I went to the gym afterwards. I called Rebecca. Hey, do you want something? And she's like, no. I'm like, dang it. So I just came home. So it wasn't like Nick's wedding where it was like <laughs> they were giving brisket oh, away. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. Okay. So, I, you, right. hey, Somebody failed to plan on that one. You could count so, 10 pieces of meat. And that's how wow. little, little small was. You know I mean? Ground so, beef, chicken, uh, carne asada, pastor, and chicken. That's cool. So I had tacos, too, uh, this past weekend. And... Um, Found a little taco hack. So we, we went down to the Caranacete, the one that uh, I think you, you were there not mm-hmm. too long ago. And they got this little uh, pack of uh, meat. It's, a, it's asada for two, two pounds. And uh, you get the meat. You get a little bit of rice and beans, all for 20 bucks. And uh, we just bought ourselves, you know, some little uh, uh, tortillas. And, uh, man, we came home and made our own taco. We had we all we ate dinner and we had leftover. I mean, it was good for 20 bucks, man. I mean, you can't you can't beat that before. Uh, you know, who was president in 2020. That used to be three pounds for 1999. And that's true. <laughs> Biden, wow. Biden inflation happened. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I don't want to say that. But, yeah, oh, that bad. hurts. Sorry. I'll have yeah. to edit that out. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I won't. No, just leave it in there. Let it roll. <laughs> but I heard Mike had poppies. What would you think, Mike? It was good. I love Italian food and been to a place that I hadn't been to before and you know the spicy uh the pasta and the spicy meatballs is good but the smooth the meatball spicy no oh I never had it before was it, it had, good so it had a little garlic and stuff in it and it was sizable and uh the price was right so I liked it so what what exactly did you order spaghetti and meatballs oh wow and then okay. had a side of garlic bread but I do not take leftovers home typically for most restaurants, and I took leftovers home. Oh it, wow! Yeah, it was, so it was, a, it was a healthy serving, sizable. So you felt like you got your money's worth. Wow. Plenteous, plenteous. Wow. And then you had a chicken wing too, right? Ah, did you just one or two? They're the best. Did you have one <laughs> or two wings? I haven't had wings since I've been here in Arizona because it costs them so much yeah, lately. And um, it's had its unique uh, breading or how they dip it or fry it, and it was good. Before the Biden inflation, it used to be sixty nine cents a wing during happy hour. Yeah, then it went up to eighty nine cents, and then it went to a dollar. And there, so that guy—I don't know if you remember the guy that served us. You know, he's a 
he doesn't remember who I am. He's like, he's every time me, you go, yeah, right, right. He right. gave me the spill on this this Sunday. He's like, have you guys been here before? I'm like, yeah, I've been here. He's like, how many times? I'm like, I don't know, at least eight. He's like, really? When? Like, you served us last Saturday. He has the memory of somebody else we know that has cognitive issues, <laughs> cognac issues, cognac as issues. he as he would say. <laughs> but I was disappointed. I'm like, you know, when we used to go there before, they'd bring me my tea, my pitcher, you know what I mean, salt. And, uh, you know, some, what do you call that? Not ranch, but the blue cheese. Blue cheese. Oh, this, they already knew. They already knew. This guy is just... Uh, he was he was friendly, but... Yeah, real for, too friendly. Yeah, he He was, kept touching you. He was, like Jeff Gracious. He was lost. And it's like, you know... <laughs> A little touchy. Uh, whatever. But if I had been there like Sasso so many times and he didn't recognize me, and it's not like the place was packed, so... Um, he said that like five <laughs> times, too. Like, it was funny the first time, but... Yeah. I don't think the, the owner has... Uh, does she recognize you now? She or he? She. Well, she the, was not there. Oh, he was there. there. Okay. I said bye to him. It's like, hey, you know. Because I've seen her a couple of different times, and she's got, done the same thing. She'll come up. Hey, have you guys been here before? You know, this is. I'm like, yeah, we've already heard the spiel. Like, Rebecca said this is a scary face already. So, like, if you see it, you recognize it right away. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, who is this guy? I mean, it's a, yeah, so part of their customer service, they need to start uh, some facial recognition program or something. <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. This, and this guy, he goes like, the, the, the breading on this and the, the, we have the 20-inch pizza. I could, I could tell him what he's going to say before he says it to me. I almost want to tell him, you know, 20-inch pizza? You've already, you've already memorized this script. I want to just tell him, do you guys sell a 20-inch pizza and then let him go? You know what I mean? Because he's just... Matter of fact, we do. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, the pizza's good. I think I think the the um, the pizza's better now at Poppy's than it was at uh, Graziano's. I believe so. Sorry, Keith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. Truth. But yeah. Keith gave me his number. Know what I mean? Yeah. Wonder what. Wonder this guy doesn't even know who my name is. He called me Rosendo. Like he would, hey Rosendo. This guy doesn't. He don't even know your he name. He don't even. Yeah. No, no clue, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Keith was cool. I don't know if there's in, drugs, in a way. drug issue there. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Something's wrong with the. Uh, but the food is good. I mean, you know, they, they don't have the bomber anymore, which is unfortunate. Very disappointing. Um, but the wings, I think, are they had a are good Philly cheesesteak. Really good. Yeah, I like good Philly cheesesteak. But maybe with this guy, he's so friendly and stuff like that, and he can't remember things, it might be good for the owner. Because the guy will ask for his check, and he'll say, hey, I've already yeah, given it to you. you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why he's there. <laughs> but he, give, he did give us a side of fries. Which was odd, right? Because we had pizza and wings and spaghetti, and he gave us side fries. Like on the house? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't think I paid for it. Okay. Maybe he slipped okay. it in there, but I didn't. I didn't. See Is it. it the same fries as before? Because they yeah, were pretty good. Pretty like good. What kind of? They were crinkle what fries. What do you right? think? Mike? They had a little like a topping on it or a little something. Little seasoning. They were good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Solid. Fries are a big deal. If you, if you if you can't get the fries right, like you know, like you get a solid fries, man, and, and if they don't if they don't make the fries like crispy, crispy, yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah, it's it is. I mean, fries have a shelf life, right? I mean, you, you get them and you got to eat them. I mean, they get soggy almost within 10, 20 minutes. You, 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 they got to be crispy. There are certain things that are hard to mess up. Fries, good burger. Yeah. If somebody, if a place is messing up a burger, then don't you, go might, back. you might as well ban it because that's hard to do. Burger King. Yeah. Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I did the Grand Canyon. So I hiked the Grand Canyon. We, we did a good three, four hour hike in there. And the only restaurant was Burger King and I did not eat there. She's like, put your mask on. I'm like, I'm out. And I was like super hungry. <laughs> and it wasn't probably because mostly because of the mask. That's true. And then I went to the North Rim and all they had was elk chili. So I'm like, I should have ate a Burger King, but that's how much I don't care for her. I used to love the Whopper, but when you, start to look, when you start to look like a Whopper, it's not so enticing anymore. You know what I mean? Hey, round is a shape. Yeah, it is. Very, it's yeah. a shape. It's a good shape. So can be. 
So we had the. Have you ever had barbacoa tacos? Uh, yes. I was not impressed. Not impressed. Okay. Disappointed. So it's it's just pretty much is it's it's uh, meat made like in a crock pot. I mean it's. Yeah, but compared to like carne asada or to pastor, it's, a, it's not the same. It's a different cut of meat. I think that's why it's spicy, it's, right? Uh, it can be. It can be spicy. It's just more. It's not as tender. It's not tender like asada. Definitely not tender like pastor. Um, it's it's a little more chewy, I guess. I don't know. It's, I, I, I like don't know machaca what, almost. Yeah, I, I don't know what cut of meat it is. Um, Cheap. <laughs> yeah, man. because it was at the end, you know, it wasn't Jesus with the wine when we went to the wedding. It was a right. cheaper meat at the right, end. Right, right, right. It wasn't the best for that's last. Why, that's why, if, you know, if you do cabeza, like that's super, super tender. I don't know if you've ever tried it. They got them in over uh, at Califia. So. Uh, it's super tender, bro. I think you'd like it. It's do you super, like street tender. tacos, Mike? I do, um, but I, I'm not too adventurous. So, um, what do you typically have, chicken? No, carne asada. Okay, um, that's my favorite. Yes, yeah, so some people love, you know, pastor, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's my favorite. I don't love it as much, but I might have had a bad dose or two the first. <laughs> Depends on where you it, go, I suppose. It's it's hard. Yeah, it's it's hard to get that one right. I mean, it's got to be on the they call it the trompo, which is the you know it's a circulating, not the big lips. Yeah, not that don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then they put pineapple on top, and you got to get the marinade just right. I mean, uh, but yeah, you you can mess up pasta pretty. Did easy. Braden take you to that one out in Pensacola, that little taco truck? No, we talked about it, okay. and but we didn't go there. I took them there. When it's been a long How time. was that? Was that pretty good? It's good, but it's just so expensive. I mean, you get a little taco, and it's like four bucks, and you have like all your you know nephews and whatever, and niece, and it's like. Nine hundred dollars. Like what? I remember when you used to be able to get tacos a buck fifty, two bucks. That's pre-COVID, obviously. And uh, now, I mean, you're looking at three, four bucks a taco. That's insane. But a street taco is small, so you think the price would be a little smaller, mm, but not so much. Not. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like what four bites, and you're. I mean, boom. It's a street. I've taco. seen Charles do it in two. You know, yeah, he, that that doesn't surprise he me. He did a bam. <laughs> I had two tacos. He had five, and he was done. And I was like, wow, he got five. How did he score five? I don't know. Yeah, the, maybe the cornrows that he put in the braids. I don't know. <laughs> the well, the bad thing was Bender was making fun of him because he had the braids in. I don't know if Charles looks different with the braids. But Bender's hair is long. He looks like a Lego head. You know, you put that little plastic Lego head. That's what Bender looked like. Said, oh, he had a Lego head, bro. <laughs> so, so he grew his hair out. And then Todd, um, he's like, hey, let's go find somebody in line because that line's way too long. And I'm like, bro, that's not how I roll. I just go to the back. You know, that's unethical. But here I was, like, I got in the middle of the line with somebody, like, that came to freedom the last one time. They're like, hey, how's it going? So we started talking, and there we go. Like, hey, what's up? We cut in, you know? <laughs> so there you go. Wow. I was That's trying to call awesome. Charles up, but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't checking his phone. He was being a good, good friend to uh, Bender. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was a good wedding. Great wedding with um, Gabe, and uh, you met Gabe before, right? He was I at have. Nate's party. Yeah. And a good guy, and a lot of, everybody that I talked to there just said a lot of good things. He's been in that church for 14 years or so. So a lot of good things I said about him, just a good testimony he had, and uh, just really happy for him and cool. his new bride. So super cool. That's and awesome. And tacos and chips and salsa. I can't think of a better wedding than to have taco or brisket. You know, that was that was pretty good. You know, Texas brisket. But you tacos. went to Rebecca's birthday when we had tacos. Rebecca? Yes. Yeah, that was pretty. That was good, right? That was good. I thought it was good. Or was that? Where did you guys came that from? My house. And did they run out of food? Nope. No. So you had a plan. My cousin had sixteen tacos too. 
Oh my word! Where, where did you get the and like six jalapeno poppers? You guys cooked it, or you guys brought? No, it in? we got a dude come in and he cooked it all up, wow. and they had uh, horchata and he, chips. He knew a guy. Yeah, I knew a guy. <laughs> well, it was like five hundred bucks for fifty people. Okay, it was our fortieth birthday party, so we need to do this for FTL soon. I think I'm about doing it at my house. Yeah. So, That'd be good. Well, you know who is the Dianara, I think is her name. I've, I've really never talked to her. She's like, my family has a food truck. And I said, well, give me the card. She goes, yeah, we do tacos, whatever you want to do. That's it's, it's you. pretty good, actually. Have you come out to FTL and we'll pay you. They do uh, They do different foods. They do not just tacos, but they got burgers, too. She said, we'll do every, whatever you want. And uh, it, was, like, it was outstanding. It was good. I, but I think, they, I think they specialize in tacos, maybe. Yeah, they, they got a full menu. But they did burgers. But she said, well, if you cater, you can get whatever you want. You pick the meat. Yeah. And, you know, the price accordingly. Because we could put it in the FTL budget. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Pastor French's eyes might get a little big, but hey, let's make it happen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Christmas. Well, Thanksgiving's coming up. I don't know. <laughs> Turkey tacos. You got to break some bread. Yes, sir. So you might have to come back, Mike, for that. Uh, I'll see if we can schedule something out here. <laughs> bring your stretchy pants. Yes, sir. Get the colonel out for that day. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into some content here. I'm getting hungry. Haven't eaten dinner yet. <laughs> um, Sorry, man. So, uh, really quick, just want to uh, mention we're still doing our uh, little camera. Uh, uh, what would you call it? fundraiser? Fundraiser, and uh, we've had a we've had some donations. Uh, we're getting hundred dollars. Yeah, we're getting mm. we're getting uh, some donations in there, which is really cool. So, very thankful for that. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, we do, we do ask if if if, if uh, you know the Lord puts it in your heart, and uh, we'd love we'd love uh, to have a donation. But uh, most of all, we just uh, covet your prayers and. Um, uh, Camera, the camera, the purpose for the camera is just uh, right now we're using an iPhone. Last in the last episode, we used my iPhone, and for whatever reason, uh, the video cut off at the like 30 ish minute mark. And uh, so, uh, we're, we're using Sasso's phone today. I don't know if our faces, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it like, no. <laughs> and uh, so, we're using Sasso's phone today, and hopefully, uh, that uh, works out well. Uh, but we'd like just to have a, a dedicated camera, one that's actually supposed to be for, for, uh, video, you know, specific to video. And so, uh, if you visit abundantlife.fm, uh, you can look on the upper right hand corner. There's a donate button. Just click the donate button and uh, you'll have an option there to donate. So again, thank you for your prayers and thank you. Those of you who have donated and we have a really special episode for you guys today. We are titling this episode trials in the workplace. And, uh, thank you, Mike, for uh, coming in for this. I, you, I know you didn't fly in just for this, but, uh, <laughs> but it was cool to, to, uh, to have you, uh, come in and, uh, do this episode with us. So, uh, Sasso, would you, uh, kick us off with our key verse today? All right. Colossians three twenty three and 24. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. Amen. So just to kind of kick the things off, um, Mike, I know uh, our, our listeners obviously don't know uh, your story, um, and you've got, you've got a pretty deep story, honestly. I mean, we could go all the way back to your childhood, um, but uh, we're going to kind of start off with your career. Um, so you, you were a police officer. Yes. And uh, so what, what made you want to be a, a police officer? Well, when did you become a police officer, and then what made you want to, to be a police officer? I didn't want to be a police officer. I wanted to be a high school teacher and a basketball coach. Okay. Um, but one of the kids that I had coached, uh, he had graduated, and he called me up and said, hey, coach, I'm testing for Phoenix PD. And I'm like, that's great. When are you doing that? Oh, this Saturday. And then uh, he said, you should test with me. He goes, you'd be a great 
cop. And I'm like, I don't think so. Um, I don't think my wife would approve of that. And I don't think you get paid enough to get shot at. <laughs> anyway, my wife, Tracy, she came home and I said, hey, uh, Ricky called and said he's going to test for Phoenix PD and he thinks I should test too. And she's like, you should. You'd be a great cop. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And so that was the start of something. I tested that week with Ricky. We passed the uh, the written, and then we went right outside and did the physical. I remember it being the middle of August, um, two o'clock in the afternoon in Arizona. Here, had to do the push up, sit up, smile and a half, and just smoked it because we were in good basketball shape. Mm. And um, the rest is history. I got uh, hired um, by the Chandler Police Department and uh, started to go through the academy with them got hired in uh, late 2000 and then the career almost did not happen because the academy started january 4th and i scouted out the academy a couple days prior on a friday so i knew where to be on monday morning and i knew what time i needed to be there i saw the gate where i was supposed to go into got there about an hour early just to be sure. Well, according to this verse right here, I wanted to do things heartily as to the Lord. Mm. I wanted to be on time and yeah. show them that I'm motivated. And um, it's a life change, a career change. And nobody was behind me in line. The gate was uh, locked. It was dark outside still. It was cold. And it's getting closer to the academy starting and no one's behind me. And I'm like, oh, I must have got the time wrong. <laughs> And then it passed the time where I was supposed to be there, and now I'm starting to panic. And I'm like, I wonder if there's another entrance to this academy. And so I started driving through the neighborhood. It was down by South Mountain, and um, lo and behold, I found another entrance to the academy. The gate was open. Parking lot was full. Ooh. And this is day one. I don't know where to go on this academy grounds. And I'm like, my career is over. Like your heart sunk. Oh, it was the worst feeling ever. Yeah. And I think that was God's way of going, okay, I'm going to break you right now. <laughs> um, and so I could have been kicked out, I suppose, before it even started. So I found my way to my class. And the sergeant was in the middle of his day one speech to the academy about how your life's going to change. You're going to have to be on time to things. And, uh, <laughs> I see a seat at the front of the academy class because they sat alphabetical order. My name's Baldwin, and it's empty. <laughs> I don't know what to do, so I just stand at the back of the classroom at attention, and I got talked to after the sergeant was done, and they asked why I was late. I explained that I was there early, and so I had to write a thousand-word memo that night on the importance of being on time. Even though you were on time. I wasn't at the right place, though. You just weren't <laughs> at the right place. Right place, right time. <laughs> Usually I'm at the right place at the late time. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So that's how it started. Wow. So interesting. You, you never, so you didn't. So were, you were a basketball coach prior to that then. You were yes. a teacher and a basketball coach. Okay. Yes. And then. Now, were you at Apollo <clears throat> at that time or? No. Um, Cortez. Cor oh, sorry. Cortez yeah. High School. So you, you were already a Christian when you uh, became a police officer. Yes, I got saved at an early age. I grew up in a Christian home, and, you know, I knew I, I was a believer. I believed Jesus, you know, died for my sins. I confessed my sins, asked him to come into my heart and save me. Um, I went to a Christian college. Um, I was in church at the time of this, going into uh, my police career, and 
I had some life experience. I'd taught in a Christian school. I'd taught in a public, I coached in a public school. I'd worked in a public setting um, prior to getting into law enforcement, but I was a believer. Wow. And I think law enforcement is probably one of the most difficult secular jobs that you could do that would, would test your, your faith. So how, how did you, did you struggle, I mean, with your faith, you know, in, in your, in your newfound job? I did not. Um, I didn't struggle in my faith and perhaps had I gone in at 21 years old, it might've been a different story, but I had a little life experience. I had been married for a number of years. I had seen God work in my life. And so my faith was solid. It was grounded and I knew, uh, God was with me, and so I did not struggle, and I'm thankful for that. So, so coming into, I mean, going from a basketball coach to to a police officer, I mean, it's a it's a leap. Yeah, so it's it's not even closely related. Um, were you prepared? I mean, were you prepared for police? I mean, I know you were in shape. I mean, that that got sure. you there. That got you kind of in the door there. Um, but were you prepared? And you know, you know, is there anything that you were not prepared for? So I'm a competitor, and so as a police officer, most police officers are A-type personalities, so I competed at the academy. Um, when we did anything physical, um, I competed um, in the classroom. I competed. I graduated um, toward the top of my class, and I was a class speaker at graduation. But when I hit the street, you know, they prepare you at the academy, but then on the street you actually get the real lesson. And it's life or death. Um, but I knew God was with me. I s- struggled, I guess, the first few weeks, just like anybody would, just learning your way around, learning the codes, putting handcuffs on somebody for the first time, getting cussed at, seeing drugs mm-hmm. for the first time in my life. I was blessed to grow up in the home that I did that I didn't see drugs. I didn't see the devastation of methamphetamine heroin crack cocaine at the time did to people's lives Mm -hmm. but i knew what side of the law i was on i knew what side of the law they were were on i was prepared for that what i was not prepared for and what the academy didn't prepare me for was the politics Mm -hmm. in the police department and some of the struggles that i would face from people that wore the same uniform i wore yeah, politics are difficult. I mean, it's it's a, it's a dirty dance. I mean, being a Christian, it's it's pretty black and white, right? Right and wrong. It's kind of probably the same with what you have to do out on the streets. But when you get to politics, and it gets gets kind of icky. Did you feel opposition because you were a Christian, or just because of the lack of work ethic with your other fellow officers? Or I think a little bit of both. So, in any secular job, any job, there's going to be people that do the minimal amount. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be some go-getters. I happen to be a go-getter. I was always a competitor, like I said. Um, I didn't think of it much at the time, but um, thinking it through now in my career, I think some of the struggles I faced is because I wasn't in the club, meaning I didn't go to the parties on the weekend. Um, I didn't drink uh, with some of the guys. I didn't talk like them. And so, yeah, just by that nature they know that there's a difference and you know i i didn't work for them i worked for god and i wanted to do the best that i could and so sometimes i think people felt like hey you're trying to beat us or take show our, me up or something yeah and it was never that way so we're gonna take a quick uh quick break 
And uh, when we come back, we'll continue the uh, conversation. Got a few more questions for you. So we'll be right back. Are you looking to apply God's truth in a practical way to your everyday life? Stay in the Fight is a weekday devotional written by Sasso Mendez. This short three-minute read looks at a verse of scripture and applies it to life in a very real and transparent way. Sasso's blog style writing is humorous, relatable, and a great way to align your thoughts with God's word. Visit stayinthefight.online and subscribe to get notified by email when it releases each weekday. Stay in the Fight is a great way to keep God in your focus, and it's easy to share with others. That's stayinthefight.online. And we're back. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine what it's like dealing with, with the politics. You're having to do the dance. You've got coworkers, bosses that are, um, you know, playing the game, I guess, so to speak. Um, how did you how did you deal with uh difficult bosses i know um i remember uh, we had some uh testimonial time uh, at our church recently or this was maybe i don't know maybe a year ago or two years ago i can't even remember now but um and i remember you gave a story uh about bitterness and um can you kind of elaborate a little bit yeah so it's <laughs> embarrassing to talk about but you know you want to talk about the highlights of your career and the good things but i let some of this negativity getting stabbed in the back of my own department affect me personally and mm-hmm. to the point where I, you know, I, I had hate in my heart mm-hmm. uh, towards some of these people because I didn't want to see them. Mm-hmm. Some sergeants, some uh, lieutenants, some commanders, I could work circles around them. I mean, they wore the same uniform I did, but they weren't a cop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew that and they knew that. And so that part was frustrating. It wasn't until later <laughs> in my career where I had heard a message um, a pastor was preaching about bitterness and um, he said if you have bitterness in your heart towards somebody it's like you drinking the poison and waiting for them to die yeah was that a pastor Tillotson or? it was yeah I, re- I remember that I remember message. that sermon I still the, remember the skiing it. one right where he broke his yeah. arm or broke his wrist I yeah. I went out to the parking lot um, of our church after he got done saying that and you know, I basically um, broke down in the parking lot crying out to God and saying, that's me. That's mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to work hard. I'm trying to uh, work hard for my victims. I'm trying to catch bad guys. And I'm getting all this grief. And I can't stand these people, you know. And you start to think that you're better than them. And God just said, no, uh, you're not better than them, <laughs> and uh, this is where I have you, and so you're going to have to change because they're not changing. They don't even think of this. This doesn't even affect their life. Wow. Um, yeah, they did wrong by you. Guys at the police department know it. Baldwin, you should sue this agency. You should do this. You should do that. Um, I would always hope that God would fix something and make it right, and he chose not to, so... Those were some of the lessons that I had to learn. It's it's hard because I mean the scripture says it. God's not going to take away the trial. He just promises he'll be there through through the trial. Right? And then he also says, "Right, vengeance is mine. I will repay it the Lord." And I think, and on this earth, we expect uh, retribution or we expect him to settle it. And uh, I think at the very end, when he comes again, all things will be settled. He'll take care of all debts, and yeah. that works in our favor too. But we, when it's against us, we want. 
I want that guy taken care of it. But when it's, you know, when we're the ones that are, you know, are the offender, we don't want that same type of justice. Yeah. When you're going through it, it's, it's tough, you know. And that was a great message. I mean, that's one of the top, I I still remember his examples he gave. And yeah, I sent him an email and told him, thank you. And told him how that worked in my life. And, um, he responded a week or so later saying, you know, he's glad that God used him to say those things. I got to hear him this last week on the senior trip. And it was just another amazing message that he gave. And he's just very practical. He's, he just, he's very relatable and practical when in his preaching and he laughs. Yeah, it's a good yeah. time preaching. He's he has a funny laugh too. Yeah, I does. love his laugh. I love so his you, laugh. I mean, you got to love that. He's very approachable too. Um, and yeah, and so he's president of uh, Faith uh, Baptist Bible and uh, or uh, Baptist Faith Bible, ba- Bible Faith Baptist Faith Baptist Bible, Bible College. College. There you go. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's actually it's not where, capitalized, which is weird to me. But yeah, nevertheless, great uh, great school. Great school. Yep. So, um, how did you deal with? Uh, unbelieving coworkers. I know you, you'd mentioned, you know, you weren't out drinking with the boys, you weren't out partying, you weren't doing the stuff that they were doing. Um, uh, you know, obviously language, there's probably jokes, locker room talk. I mean, how did you, how'd you deal with all that? Yeah, that was, uh, I knew there was going to be a lot of cursing and I knew people, you know, didn't believe necessarily the way I did. And so I sometimes put it off to the side and just put my head down and focus on my work. Um, I hated it when guys would use God's name in vain. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. use the F word. Um, right, right. And I hate to say that too, but I, I really would. But they don't know God. Right. And they don't even, you know, it's like the thief on the cross. Uh, um, he, he was a sinner. And then a minute later, you know, when he died, he was in heaven because God forgave him. Amen. And, uh, That's right. Jesus even said to the crowd, these people don't know what they're doing, you know, and um, we serve, I serve the Lord. If you don't, if you're not a believer, you know, you're not serving him, you don't know him, you just are repeating what you've heard your whole life. And, um, but I didn't try to ever uh, get in an argument with guys about spiritual things. I enjoy talking to guys one-on-one. Um, so I wouldn't say things in front of a group of 20 or 30, um, but one-on-one a guy in my car, somebody that I'm training, I'd find out, you know, where his heart is. And I talk about spiritual things. I talk about church and what I'm going to do this weekend and with my family and how long I've been married and, um, just kind of let, uh, lay the groundwork down. And some of these guys were very respectful around me and while I was training them, you know, they kind of respected the parameters that I had set. So that's good. And just attending your retirement ceremony, I think that was a great testimony that they said. I never, I forgot what word they said you used, but it was, uh, I don't know what it even was like, dang it. Or I don't even know if it was that, but just like they had never heard you say a bad word, which is a testament in the work environment. And that kind of, when you're giving commands to somebody, right? Sometimes, yeah, because sometimes the only uh, thing that somebody who's mentally ill or on the street using drugs understand, you know, please, sir, please put down the weapon <laughs> um, or the police. We're here to help you. But if somebody says, you know, drop the weapon, um, <laughs> they will because they understand that language. Right, right. 
Yeah, but just a testament that they said that about you. So that was a good testimony. It's got to be difficult though. I mean, because you're you're in it. You know, you're. I mean, you're you spend more time with these guys than you do at, at home with your wife, and so it's. I, I and I can attest to it too because I was I was in a secular job. And uh, the guys would talk the same, you know, and I, like you said, you expect that from a non-believer. Um, but at the same time, you kind of want to at least have a work relationship because you've got to see these people every day for so, you know, so, so much time. Yes. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just difficult. It's difficult. I know there's days where I come home and I'm just like, man, it's, you just feel like you just took a beating just cause there's, everything comes at you. I mean, all that there's temptations, there's talk, there's, there's, uh, you know, language. I mean, all of that stuff just comes at you all day long. It's like a, a spiritual, well, spiritual warfare. It really is. Yeah, I mean, it is. It yeah. is. It's spiritual warfare. You know? um, but engagement uh, of the enemy. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, we've talked about politics and, and coworkers, and and um, I'm sure as a as a police officer, you've um, you've come on some scenes and probably seen things that you had hoped you'd never see, or or, or you know, things that you probably see in a, in a horror film or something like that. I mean, how, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So, I mean, you truly see evil at times and there was some scenes certainly work in violent crimes where you go to a, a, just a bloody suicide, um, certainly a homicide. There's, you know, what can be worse than that? Taking someone's life. Yeah. Um, some very violent type assaults and things of that nature. And, and you see, you see the evil, but you have a job to do. And so I took an oath at the police Academy, um, when I was sworn in on graduation night that I would do the best that I can. And so I kind of treat those scenes clinically, you know, walk over the blood and sometimes guts and, you know, not to gross the listeners out, but there's some things that, I'm so grateful that my kids have not seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about something nasty, just going into a, a heroin house and mm. you know, you're walking around and you're seeing feces on the floor, needles everywhere. And you got to search that house cause you have a search warrant and you're looking for this or that. And it's some nasty stuff, but, um, I knew I was doing a job and so I could, it's like a, maybe a, a doctor sometimes, you know, he sees something gross, but he's trained to do this. Right, he right. does it clinically, does his job. And then maybe you decompress, uh, afterwards. There were some times where I came home and my wife, Tracy knew that I had been on a bad scene because I left my clothes in the garage. I didn't even bring them inside the house cause it's, you know, that's how nasty this mm. place was. So um, and then police officers, we have, you know, weird humor sometimes to kind of get through things and you say things and you're kind of joking, but it's kind of getting you through the stress mm. now with everybody wearing cameras, it, it sounds bad. You know, you were joking, you know, with that dead body and, uh, someone who blew their head off or, or, or whatever it was. Um, but it's coping mechanism sometimes to get through it. And in that uh, situation, as far as how did you separate that piece before you came home? Or did you sometimes feel like you brought that to? Yeah. So some guys, well, I never took work home and okay, well that wasn't me. Um, I did take it home sometimes. 
a lot of times with that 30 minute ride home, I was able to decompress and relax a little bit. Um, but there were times where, you know, you can't stop thinking about what you just saw and, uh, your spouse will ask you, Hey, what, you know, where were you? What kind of call were you on? (laughs) You're like, I don't, you don't want to know. Yeah, I do want to know. No, you don't. And yeah, uh, yeah. sometimes after a couple no, you don'ts, then she knew that was must have been pretty pretty bad. And I'll talk about it when I want to talk about it. Um, but I didn't hide that stuff by you know drinking alcohol and trying to numb it. And some guys do that and get in trouble. You know, I, I did have the Lord with me, and I think He helped me. And the Bible says, you know. Um, think on good things, a bad thing. Some of the things that I saw pop into your head, you know, but I try not to dwell on it and people that dwell on it. Those are the guys that develop, you know, post-traumatic stress. And it's like, they're constantly thinking about it. And, um, I'm, yeah, I don't forget it, you know, but I don't dwell on it. And then I go to church too. I have an outlet where I'm around good people, um, sinners but good people and sure. um they love the lord and i feel safe around them so that was a good outlet for me you talked about uh, coping mechanism and um i think we all have some of those to an extent i mean you know it, we, we may not all be you know into drugs and alcohol or pornography or whatever but i think some of us sometimes we have uh social media yeah you know social media you binge watch a television Food. show yeah, I, Talk I talked. I talked about this at FTL. Actually, one of them, one of mine is is the the refrigerator. I, I get some stress sometimes, and you know, I'll find myself with the refrigerator. Or I, it's comfortable. Or sometimes I, you know, I'll start digging into Twitter, and I'm just there for, and I need to stop, you know, because I saw something in the news, and I'm just like, well, okay, what's going? I start getting stressed out. Um, did you ever deal with a coping mechanism, so to speak? I mean, because you saw some horrendous. I can't imagine what you saw. Uh, I mean, my stresses are probably in comparison to your stresses, <laughs> not even comparable. Yeah, when I look back at it, I mean, I remember one night I was called out. I was on call and I got called out three times from the time I got home. As soon as I got home, I got called out for dead body. Um, got done clearing that up, came back home, just got into bed, got called out again for another dead body. I got called out three times that shift for... Um, a dead body or suicide it's like man wow it starts to wear on you you know yeah. you see it yeah you become jaded and numb uh, to it and you know your family probably says hey you're not as funny as you used to be and yeah i've seen some serious things life's not a joke yeah and i've seen what evil can do yeah and then you know as a parent sometimes you want to cover for, not cover for your kids but you want to protect them and Oh, come, come on, you're overreacting. No, if you saw some of the things that I saw, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I mean, there were a few nights, I think I was out with the, the devil incarnate. Somebody's acting so crazy out of their mind, holding a gun or a knife in their hand. I've held I've seen a guy holding the baby hostage and stuff, and I'm pulling out the slack on my trigger, going to shoot this guy, and at the last second he complies, and that takes a toll. Whew can imagine so. so you would see like you the spiritual warfare like live in action as far as actually living in people so i truly yes yeah, so i can see that in ephesians you know where it says put on the whole armor of god i can see that there is a spiritual battle um i lived it and um 
if you don't believe and if listeners don't believe that there's a, a battle going on between the forces of good and evil, then you're not paying attention and yeah. you're, you're naive. If you haven't seen what's happened in our country, uh, some of the evils that are called good and some of the good that's called evil, that is, it's demonic. Well, and I think a lot of people get, um, you know, they, they watch these TV shows and, and, and they get uh, calloused and they're just like, oh, oh well, you know, it's. It, it becomes a form of entertainment, yeah. I think, uh, in a lot of ways. So violence is kind of nothing to them anymore. And, you know, it's like you, you start thinking, well, it's not that bad. And it's like, man, like you're watching a murder. Like that's, that's murder. That's horrible. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, it's all these action movies. I mean, we enjoy watching them because, you know, they're usually high production and stuff like that. But in right. the first 30 minutes of the movie, 28 people got killed and um, by this superhero and or somebody did something to his family and now he's, so he's exacting revenge and we revenge, actually are yeah. happy for him because <laughs> the Avengers <laughs> because, because, there you go. because he's exacting this revenge on people who, who deserve it and we applaud that violence and yeah. uh, but to see it in real life and smell it and mm. hear people's agony behind it somebody yelling or screaming whose family member was just killed or murdered uh, well killed and murdered I guess is the same thing but <laughs> It's bad. Yeah. Well, and I think you have another aspect of Christians that will don't want to admit that there is like demonic forces that are out. Um, that, but it's very real. And the, even the Bible talks about it, how we hope like they could see the spiritual world. And there is a spiritual world that exists around us that we just can't even see. Like oh, yeah. God sees, of course. Well, you know, I, and I, you, you know, talking about drugs and all of that, I honestly think you, when you're altering your mind with drugs or alcohol, any of that, any format of that sort, uh, you're opening, I think, yourself spiritually to the demonic, honestly. Like, I think. Well, there's a person that comes to freedom the last. I won't say his name, but he says that he's opened the door to a lot of things in his life yeah. because of drugs. Yeah. yeah. They um, call it a gateway, and it's a gateway because you're not thinking clearly. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and he's a believer, but yeah. he said he's opened doors in his life because of his addiction. I, um, yeah, I believe yeah. it. I believe so, it. You want to take another commercial break? Yeah, let's go and take a quick break and uh, we'll continue the conversation. Hello, this is Kevin Shaw. Are you or someone you know dealing with the agony of an addiction? You cannot change what you do until you let God change who you are. Freedom That Lasts is a discipleship ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church that applies the life-transforming principles of the gospel and Christian growth to the problems of life-dominating sins and addictions. All of this happens in an atmosphere of love and accountability. If you would like to know more information about this important ministry, give us a call at 623-581-3115. And we're back. And uh, so can you tell us, you know, what was, you know, I know we've talked about, you know, all of these different things, uh, even just the, the, the crazy things that you see uh, on the streets. But what would you say the most difficult situation you've dealt with? Uh, at at the workplace, whatever it may be, and how you how did you get through that? So it's a personal story. It's not something that was out on on the road per se. Per se but um, we had a. I was a sergeant at the time. I enjoyed being a sergeant. I loved my squad, the men and women who worked for me. You know, when you're a sergeant, next thing in line, you're gonna do a good job there and you're going to promote to lieutenant and you're going to make more money and move up the chain. And so that's the career path I was going. We had a gang member just recently released from prison and 
he had been committing some violent crimes in the city, a couple drive-by shootings, so we were looking for him. His name was on the radar. He had done a alleged kidnapping um, where he took uh, someone's child. Um, might have been a custody issue, but it was by force. And then there was another hit-and-run accident where he had held a knife to someone's uh, throat, um, threatening them. So we're looking for this guy, and... I am talking to my street contacts. I enjoy talking to gang members on the street, and that's how you got good information. You treat them well, they give you information. Yeah. And they were telling me, hey, Baldwin, this guy's going to kill somebody. You better get him. Well, where's he at? I'm not a snitch. I'm not telling. And so the hunt was on, and, you know, the go-getters were looking for this guy, and the lazy people weren't. And um, long story short, um, one of my guys arrested somebody and they had information as to where this guy was at. And so they contacted me as a sergeant and said, Hey, this guy wants to talk to you, give up some information. So I vetted this individual and got some information. Some people would call it a source of information. I knew he knew the bad guy that I was looking for and was friends with him and might be able to give him up. And that didn't work out the way that I had planned, and um, I thought I'm doing a good thing. I'm going after, you know, the bigger fish, the bigger bad guy, letting this guy go with some information. And somehow, some way, somebody made a complaint, and you know, they brought me in. They were talking to me about it. And who gave you authorization to make this deal? And I said, well, I'm a sergeant. You did. Um, you put stripes on my arm and, um, <laughs> they didn't like that. And, uh, next thing you know, um, I'm omitting some parts of the story just for, for time, but my intentions were right. I'm getting a violent felon off the street, somebody that's going to kill somebody. And I'm going through an internal affairs investigation and um anyway so they moved me off my squad and that was embarrassing because i'm you know under investigation and they're out still looking for this guy well the next week he carjacks someone in glendale and there's a pursuit u.s marshals are involved and he gets away and um i said i told you he's a bad guy he's getting worse and worse he's gonna kill somebody well then on my new squad um i was talking to some more people on the street and they gave me enough information where I could find him, and I got him cornered in a house. I contacted the lieutenant, and I told her, ma'am, I have the house surrounded. I have this guy inside the house. Uh, it's time to call the SWAT team because he's not going to go willingly. And she told me to go 10-8, which means go back in service. She said, um, I don't want you talking to any street contacts anymore, and I don't want you know you guys have, being undercover on the street or anything like that. I couldn't believe what she said, and I drove to the police department, talked to her face-to-face in her office, and I said, ma'am, he's going to kill somebody. And she's like, I gave you an order. And so eight days later, he did do a drive-by and killed a grandmother and um, proved me right. But uh, the investigation was still ongoing, and long story short, um, I got demoted from, from my position. And so... You're like, I tell that story to anybody and they can't believe it. How did that happen? You were doing the right thing. Well, I wasn't doing the right thing according to the powers that be and the letter of the law of our policy. 
I was acting in the spirit of the law, but not the letter of the law, according to our uh, policies at the police department. So that was a hard pill to swallow. And uh, that was embarrassing. Um, it was wrong. And so I had prayed to the Lord, hey, God, can you fix this? You know, I'd love to see you make this right. It was years later in court. Um, I got deposed on that situation. The family, somehow, I don't know, it wasn't me, who learned that I had this house surrounded. I'd called for a SWAT team, and I was denied, and so they wanted to sue the department. And I was put in the awkward position of representing the police department, the family. Oh, the family. Against the police department. Oh, wow. And I had never met this family, and I saw them in court for the first time, and judges ask, or the prosecutors and are asking me questions. You know, detective, did this happen, this happen, this happen? Yes. And um, he awarded uh, the family that they could continue with this lawsuit. So they settled um, with the city for some undisclosed amount, and I'm still demoted. But when I was demoted, I became a detective, and maybe that's where God wanted me to be mm. because I became a very good detective. I trained a lot of people. But when you asked me the question, what was the hardest thing for, for me? It was getting stabbed in the back at my own police department for doing the right thing. And it was proven later on in court, you know, that a judge said, hey, he was doing the right thing. And um, still nobody would take action to reinstate me. No apologies. Oh, no. Um, you know, a couple of chiefs later took place you know and so they're like well that happened under someone else's watch there's nothing i can do i'm like you're the chief of police you can do what you want right, yeah. right, right. but uh it wasn't in the cards and so that was a very difficult thing in my life and that took a lot of years to to get over and so i'm over it but i don't forget it yeah. it's a scar it happened but sometimes you have scars and you don't forget what happened but it's a reminder you know, yeah. what happened. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a song that talks about, I'm thankful for the scars and it's talking about Jesus's scars and yeah, those are proof of what happened, you know, when yeah. he died for us yeah. and his love for us. So you don't forget that, but a scar tells a story. Yeah. I think that's what he said in that same exact message, right? Is it a scar or does it still hurt? And that's when you know right. where you're at on the bitterness scale. Oh, right, of, right, right. Is it a scar or is it? Yeah, or is it an open wound? Is it an open wound? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what, um, I mean, we, you, you've had, you've had a, I think you've had multiple uh, positions, right, in, in police. You've done uh, detective, sergeant, you've, you've done SWAT also. Yes, uh, I was on SWAT. Um, I went to SWAT school at Mesa and uh, enjoyed that. I was on our team for eight years. And uh, I was uh, point man, <laughs> which is the first person through the door. Um, and everything back then was dynamic entry. So you, you knock and announce, you throw in a flashbang after you blow, you know, you breach the door and um, it creates a diversion. And then the team goes in while well, you're in the fatal funnel. The bad guy knows where you're at. Um, yeah, you got to come through the, the front door, or the back door. Nowadays, they do things different. They surround and call out. They breach. Uh, they break and rake all the windows. 
Um, they announce real loud. The house is surrounded. They port the windows with guns. You can almost clear the house from the outside. Mm. Then we have drones that can go in, robots, dogs, wow. gas, crazy, a number of things. So they rarely do any uh, dynamic entry on SWAT anymore. Wow. So, I mean, obviously, being in all these different positions, you've probably been in uh, life or death situations. Can you kind of elaborate on that? And, and I mean, what was it like? And obviously, you know, you know, you're securing Christ. I mean, you know, something um, horrible happens. I mean, you know, you're, you know, your destiny, your eternal destiny, but like, what, what was that like? I mean, you, there's still a little fear, a little, I mean, I mean, your nerves, I mean, it's butterflies. In I, there. I can't sure. imagine, man. Yeah, I, you get that before a basketball game. I can't imagine <laughs> this is life or death, you know? <clears throat> so there, there ha- have been times in my career where, you know, I was faced with someone with a gun or a knife and, I'm pulling the slack out of the trigger and they comply at the last minute. And, um, that, that's huge. Um, I had to clear a house one time for a guy who didn't show up for work and, uh, they said, Hey, he's suicidal. He talked about buying a gun the day before. And, uh, so I knock on the door, no answer. Um, the sergeant at the time asked me, what should we do? Now I think they would just leave. Um, but back then we didn't leave. Um, I'm like, we need to go in and do a welfare check. And so we breached the front door and now you're just slowly methodically going through this house. And in the kitchen, I see a bunch of beer cans and I'm like, Oh, he's been drinking. People that are drinking aren't thinking clearly. Then I see a rifle on the counter with bullets all over the ground and on the counter and no body. So we start heading down the hall. The sergeant's behind me. I'm in front and, clear one room not there clear another room not there we get to the garage i open that his car's in the garage i'm like oh shoot he's here um the last room to check is the master bedroom and so you know your heart is pumping out of your chest if it's going to be it's going to be right now and you're slowly pying around the corner with your handgun you get into the room and it's clear you check the bathroom it's clear and the last little room is the closet open the closet and he's hanging from the rafters in his closet um he was still alive and i cut him down and we worked him and he lived Um, but that was very scary situation um yeah and it's almost a story that you forget because that was just that was one day and then after that i went out and answered more calls for service um one night on a on a late swing shift, early graveyard shift. I was almost about to be um, relieved and go home. Emergency tone kicks out, hot tone. I live for the hot tone. Boop, emergency traffic, uh, gunshot, blah, blah, blah. At this location, lady saying her husband's just been shot. Um, suspects are in a such and such car going unknown direction. And um, I pictured in my head where this call was at and I'm like the only ways out of the city are going to be uh, Dysart Road and Loop 303 going south or north I'm close to Dysart and Bell right now so I just started sliding down Dysart in my patrol car heading south as fast as I can thinking of the only um, roads that would take you further east in um, Olivewood so I went to Olive just as I get the olive, this car just flies over the intersection. And I got the car. 
<laughs> and so I start to give chase and they're like, okay, can you give us a plate? And I'm like, no, <laughs> they're flying so fast. I got up to speeds of 105 miles an oh, hour wow. and chasing them and starting to give direction of travel, speed, uh, road conditions, things of that nature. But it was a perfect storm. They had just shot someone. They were in a stolen car, I later learned. I later learned the gun. Uh, they had three guns in the car. Um, so the sergeant allowed the pursuit to continue, and I chased them for 15 miles going through Phoenix a little bit and until uh, they crashed. And then when they crashed, you know, I jumped out. Other units started to get there. That was the first time any units had caught up. That's how fast we were going in this pursuit. And we took uh, five people into custody. And had they not crashed, you know, I mean, it would have been a shootout. There was methamphetamine in the car. There was three guns. They're gang members. Wow. But I was in my element. I knew I enjoyed that. And I wasn't scared. Um, I wasn't being cocky or anything, but I had a job to do. You know, people are, oh, are you scared to do that? And I wasn't. Um, hmm. Because, yeah, I, you know, talk about guardian angels, I truly believe in them. I mean, mm. during this pursuit, we were going through a construction zone where there was things on both sides for about a mile and a half. They had blacked out, turned their headlights out in front of me. And I said, oh, the car blacked out. I might lose them. And um, ultimately, they crashed. And so that was a, yeah, it was a life and death situation wow. when you look back at it and think about it are you throwing up prayers any time at any given time i mean just lord help me like i mean nothing elaborate obviously <laughs> you know i have done that i don't yeah. think i was doing it that night but yeah you know i've whispered a prayer heading up to some, mm. some unknown trouble because that's a call where your police officer is the most scary yeah when they say emergency traffic unknown trouble we're hearing people yelling we're hearing gunshots going off blah 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 you don't even know what you're getting into right okay lord help me and then you know, you're the first one on scene. Again, now police tactics change. Yeah. They're going to wait and get several officers there. But back then, you handled things. So you just do what you got to do. So with the bad things, like what would you say is the most rewarding thing you can reflect back on that was, like, man, that made me proud to be, or there was some fruit there that came out of your police work? Yeah, so they weren't always huge things, but... Um, there's a story um, of this little boy uh, walking on the, the beach and all these starfish are up on the beach and he's picking them up and he's throwing them back in he's throwing them back in and some old guy walks by him and says, you know, you'll, you'll never save them all. And then he threw another one in and he said, well, it mattered to that one. Yeah. Um, I, at one point in my career, I tried to save them all. And I couldn't save them all. But to say that I did something and it mattered to that one, that person. Yeah. One was a lady whose husband called me and said, hey, can you come by the house? And I hadn't got a call from him in several months. And she was a drug addict. I chased her all over the place. She hated me. She cussed me out, spit at me. She went to prison. And so I didn't know what I was getting into and... You know, he's like, my wife wants to talk to you. And she's like, Detective Baldwin, you know, thank you for being a jerk. And thank you for 
hounding me and take, sending me to prison because, you know, that's what it took to get clean. And so you're like, wow, you know, you didn't expect that, but it made a difference to that one. Yeah. There were elderly women, um, maybe whose husband uh, was going through cancer or something, committed suicide, and I helped them. And I went to their house, and I treated them kindly. And it wasn't my job to do, but I got down on my hands and knees and cleaned up the brains and the blood matter and stuff like that so they wouldn't have to. And, um, you know, it, it mattered to that person. My retirement ceremony was very meaningful. Uh, Sasa went to it and, um, I didn't have any command staff speak. I just had some guys that I had trained guys that I had worked with that were partners of mine over the years. And I just asked them to speak at graduation, didn't tell them what to say. And the Lord gave me a blessing, a treat that day because my family was there and they had heard all the negative things you know over the years and i'm getting a little emotional but um these officers these detectives some are supervisors um, now they talked about my work ethic and they talked about um my work as a detective and that they learned a lot from me and then they talked about uh my testimony and that i was a believer and a Christian man, and that they learned a lot from me. And so that was huge because you're like, it mattered to that one. Mm-hmm. So that was the most rewarding. Amen. Yeah, when you get to hear that confirmation, it's it's like the Lord saying, yeah, well done, good and faithful, sir. I mean, it's almost to that, it's almost to that effect. You well, know? It's almost to the point where you're like, okay, that's what I was here for. That's why I got demoted, you know. Yeah. Um, because he didn't want me there because I needed to make a difference to this one. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Bible says that all things work together for good. It does not say that all things are good. That was not good. Some right. of the things that happened, some of the things that I experienced. But God somehow in his way has a way of making things work out for good. And so work out for good to those who love him. That is the verse to those who love him, <laughs> yeah. to those who are called, called according to his purpose. Yeah. yeah, And I am called according to his purpose, and I do love him. Amen. And I think a job is a calling, right? Whatever God gives you to do. Um, it could be a police officer or whatever, but I mean, beginning of time, he said, man's going to work by the sweat of his brow, but he gives man a job. And uh, we look at a job like, uh, do we move up in it? But he gives us a job to be part of the community, to serve the community. And also to be a witness and a testimony to others. And um, I think there was people there at your ceremony that I don't even know they believed in God, per se, but they saw God in you. Um, and I think everybody that went up there said that about you. Um, you know, they talked about your work ethic, but it's kind of a threefold work ethic, how he trained me and then how I saw. I didn't even hear him say a bad word in all the times I've been with him. And we've been in some... And they gave you some funny stories, too, about the donuts and things like that. Sure. And the gate. <laughs> but, I mean, and it's... That's where you really, and I think when you work in um, any job you have, the people that work with you side by side or day by day and what they say about you is a testament to who you really are because they know you on a different level than a manager, supervisor. These are people that respect you um, on a different level. That goes back to the verse that you started this thing with, you know, do things heartily as to the Lord. Um, 
I had, I saw something one time on someone's wall um, in their cubicle, and it was things that are under my control. And it was uh, my attitude, uh, my work ethic, and the level of my work and my performance, and ultimately, who do I work for? Right. And so I told people, I didn't work for the chief of police. I worked for God and the, the citizens that I swore to protect. So... That's who I work for. As we go back to this verse in Colossians, just setting it, um, and Paul was talking to the people of Colossae, he, they were slaves. And so he was telling them, like, hey, you don't work for a slave owner. They were giving meaningless tasks. He said, you work for God. Um, and just to give that verse context, and that's what Paul was telling them, and I think a lot of jobs we feel, you know, we deign tasks or whatever, that we're not appreciated, but he said, you don't, we work to the Lord. And that's what Paul was telling these people at this church and they were slaves, and he said, don't think of it as you're a slave, but you're working for, for God. And I think that's a great mindset to have because that's truly who we work for, and yeah, he reminder. will give us a reward. It's a good reminder. Well, it's just like the story of Joseph. I mean, uh, if you want to talk about somebody who got some crazy trials, you know, and, and uh, doing the right thing, getting in trouble, and uh, I mean, that was, that was Joseph. And at the very end, I mean, God put him in a specific place, just like you said. He put him in a particular position where he was able to save his family and and save the nation and the yeah, nation, yeah. Israel and, and but his fam- the family. Egyptians too. Yeah, yeah. You know, second in command, right? So, got to trust God, and that's sometimes not easy because we don't we don't know what's coming, and sometimes you got to deal with humility and and other things along the way, and keeping your testimony. And I, man, uh, I can't imagine what what how difficult it is to keep your testimony in the stressful type work that you did. I mean, because it's stressful on many levels, not just working out on the streets, but, you know, dealing with the politics. You know, Especially when the they make it harder for you and then it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't perfect. You know, I mean, everybody knows that, but it's like, uh, as a whole, I tried to maintain a good testimony. The Lord helped me a lot of times. And when you fail, you <laughs> confess that sin and, Try to rebound and be resilient, come back better. So I know a lot of oftentimes, you know, we go through trials or, or you know, tough times and and there's um, there's verses that we kind of cling to. So I, I'm just curious, did you have did you have any verses that you just those were you kind of your go to verses when, you know, time things got tough? Yeah. Proverbs three, five and six, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean in it not on your understanding, but on his, and he, you know, he's going to direct your paths. And there's a lot of times, Lord, I don't know what to do on this case. I, you know, I need wisdom. Mm. I'm trusting you to, to help me here. Um, sometimes as simple as turning left or right on, I'm looking on a, uh, attempt to locate for the bad guy. I've got two streets. Okay. Lord help me. Let's go left. And a lot of times we found the guy and people are like, dude, how did you do that? <laughs> like left or right, I picked one. But I think <laughs> Proverbs 3 5. <laughs> I think the Lord helped me. And then uh, you know, talk people talk about were you scared? Are you afraid out there? And Bible verse in Psalms fifty six, uh, three and four, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And God, you know, I will praise his word. And God I've put my trust. Um you have to believe in that. I have to believe that God's going to protect me. He put me in this position. Right. Um, I do believe in guardian angels. And then this was quoted a lot in the police department. Even some of the unsaved guys would quote part of the verse, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
Well, for me, that was the truth. There were times I'm walking into an unknown, late at night, dark. Uh, it's not all, uh, there's compounds, you know, way out west where people are cooking meth and doing things. You're like, okay, dogs, pit bulls. Typically, I'm scared of that type of dog, but I remember, you know, uh, beware of dog, dog will bite, owner will shoot, and opening that gate and walking through and going, okay, here it goes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, Mm. because thou art with me. Amen. 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 Um, It's been a pretty uh, intense episode, I think. Uh, Yeah. Entertaining. You know, what would you... You know, and obviously not everybody has a, a a job like that. There's people that work in different, you know, office settings and, um, you know, blue collar work, whatever it may be. But what would you say to someone dealing with trials in the workplace? I know, Sasso, you've dealt with this, you know, when you were at Target. I know you had uh, kind of a crazy boss. Yeah. Um, but what, what would you say uh, to somebody dealing with those trials? What would you what would you tell them? I know the sun's coming up in the morning, you know, so tough times don't last forever. Mm but tough people do. And this is something we say now in my current job with my, my new boss is stay in the fight. Um, Mm. you know, don't quit, don't quit now. And so that's what I would tell them. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you for, uh, it's been a blessing, blessing us, uh, on this episode. Um, it was, it was a pleasure to, uh, hear, hear your work testimony. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I know you've got a even deeper story when going back to childhood, but, um, we can get into that later. Maybe Spirit another of adoption. Maybe another episode. Yeah, adoption yeah. part two. Um, but Any, uh, anything you'd like to shout out? Anybody you'd like to recognize or shout out on the podcast before we close? Oh, I'm proud of my children, Braden and Macy. They're both working on uh, getting their master's degree. Awesome. Uh, Braden is in charge of his own little company called uh, Baldwin Performance, and he's doing real well down in uh, Florida. And then uh, Macy just got through with her first couple grades um, in her master's program and got A's, and we're awesome. ecstatic about that. That's awesome. And she is now not following in her dad's footsteps, but she's coaching um, oh, nice. uh, middle school track and field and elementary girls basketball. So, so I'm, wow. pr- I'm proud of her. That's awesome. I'm proud yeah. of both of them. And I always say Mike was the best coach I never got to play for. So I practiced with Mike for several uh, several practices, but uh, I got kicked out of school prior to ever playing for Mike. So good times. You're going to let this guy with a 36-inch waist beat you? <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> He's not hustling you. Oh, wow. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us on this podcast episode. Be sure to visit us at AbundantLife.fm. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, we will see you in the next episode. Yep, thank you for joining us. Bye for now. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Podcast. We pray you were blessed by today's episode. Please visit us online at AbundantLife.fm. Until next time, may God bless you.